grace and mercy. These are God's gifts of love to you and to me, and they're ours through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior, dear Christian friends. Today we are wrapping up our series called Reset. And appropriately for Valentine's Day, we are talking about resetting our love. Now, it's important that we do that. Not just because it's Valentine's Day and we should be talking about love and all the mushy-gushy stuff and, and you want to spend some time with your schmoopy today and all those kinds of things, right? But whether you have someone that's that special someone in your life or not, you want to understand what, what love actually is. We want to, to make sure that the love that we are showing to those closest to us and those that maybe even aren't so close to us, that it is God's design for love. And it's important that we then hit reset on that because I think there's a, a real temptation to, to kind of lose sight of what love is and what God designed love to be. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is the fact that we use the word love forever. And let's just be honest, we use it for, for God, and we use it for that special someone, and we use it for our kids, and we use it for our parents, and we use it for our coffee, and we use it for Fridays, and we use it for hiking, and we use it for like everything under the sun, right? I love sunsets, and I love God. Do you love them the same? It's not bad that we use the same word for God and our, and our spouse and our kids and hiking and coffee and whatever else, other things that we say we love in life. It's not wrong that we do so, but it is important that we recognize that we use the same word to describe a massive variety of things that we don't have the same kind of affection for. And so it's important to recognize we we use the same word, but we don't always distinguish well what we mean when we say we love someone or something. I think the other reason, though, that we really need to reset love, our love, is because, well, there's, there's an ideal out there, right? There's a model. And what do we, what does love truly look like? And, and there's no shortage of it, right? There's no shortage of, of models and ideals being held up as this is the greatest example of love. I mean, there's all kinds of songs and books and movies, and they, they permeate the airwaves, and they permeate our culture and our society and our world, and they even permeate our minds about what love is, what it's supposed to look like it's supposed to feel. And, and probably the, the typical one goes something like this. Boy and girl, they eventually get together and they fall madly in love and they live happily ever. Or there's some kind of epic sex And in one of those two finales, the world says, ah, that's what love is. But both of those, they forget that there's like mortgages and kids and jobs and long distance and health struggles and depression 
and pressures and stress and anxiety and different desires and opinions about a whole lot of things. Like, if that's the ideal and that's, that's what love really is like, no wonder there's so many people that are still looking because it's, it's just not real. Not very often. So, what is love? God knows that we struggle to understand love, to know what it means, not just to love other people, but even to fill that deep-seated need that lives in each of us to be loved. And that's why today, as we look at, at God's Word, we see Him explain to us how He loves us and helps us reset our idea of love. So that we also then reset how we show love to others. So let's take a look at our uh, at our opening verses of our sermon text from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. These words were originally written by, by the inspiration of the Spirit, by the working of the Spirit in the Apostle John. John was the disciple of Jesus, right? Um, one of those two brothers, James and John, who followed Jesus around, listened to him, learned from him, saw miracles after miracle. And, and John recorded a gospel, right? The book of John. He also wrote three different letters to other Christians at the time. And 1 John is the first of them. Now, John, when he originally wrote these words, he wrote them in Greek. Which sounds like it would be kind of an interesting trivia question, but doesn't have a whole lot of significance. Actually, it's, it's very important and very helpful for us, especially when we start to talk about love. Because the Greeks understood that there are different categories, different kinds of love, right? Like I said, we, we use the word love for this massive span of things in our life. The Greeks had different categories to, and different words for each of those categories so that they knew what kind of love they're talking about. For example, there is eros. That's where we get the English word erotic from. It's a, a physical, a sensual love, right? And, and at the root of it, it often has some kind of self-gratification. There's the word philius, the Greek word philius, which is where we get the city of, city of Philadelphia gets its name, right? It's the city of brotherly love. It, it's this collegial, familial, friendly kind of love that still has an element of of me, right? It, it, it's got this give and take concept that, yeah, I love you until you stop giving me a reason to love you. Yeah, I, I, I'll show you love until you stop showing me love and then I might not so much. And we see that kind of love all around us, right? I mean, that's, that's what the world thinks love is. Those two concepts of love, we see eros, all around us, right? Hookup culture, that's what it's all about. That's where you find love. 
but it's not really. Marriages, families falling apart, brothers, sisters, even close friends that, that no longer speak to one another. Why not? Because something was said or done maybe years ago. And as a result, well, that love has strings attached. That love has conditions and requirements, and I just don't love you because you don't love me. It has a, a reciprocal, a give and take component love. And when that's the love that, that surrounds us, right, that we see all around us, that those are what's held up as this is what love is. Boy, it, no wonder the world is cynical, and, and it's really hard for us to not even just get like sucked in and lulled to sleep into this kind of complacency and thinking this is what love actually is. Which leaves us just constantly looking for more because that never really satisfies. Those ideas of love, the problem with them all is that they're really all about the person who's doing the loving, right? There's always a self-interested nature to them. That I'll love you as long as it's easy for me. I'll love you as long as there's something in it for me, but when you stop doing anything in return, then I'm out. And if love is a feeling, well, whether it's the, the warm and fuzzy pitter-patter or a lustful desire, the problem with that is that it can be easily pulled by, in, in multiple directions, and, and, and we can think that this is love, and then that's love, and then this isn't love, right? And we can fall in and fall out of love. And, and all those ideals of love are, are just, just unsatisfying. If that's what you think love is, I, I guarantee that you're still looking. You're still trying to be loved because you've never found it in any of those kinds and definitions of love. And that's why we, we look for something more. And we find it uniquely in one place, right? We find it ultimately in the love that John describes here. Because notice what does he say? He starts out, dear friends, the word there actually in Greek is love. People who are loved, let's love one another. Why? Because love comes from God. And then he takes it a step further, doesn't he? He says the last word there, God is love. Do you want to know what love is? Do you want to know what it means to truly be loved? In, in, in a completely selfless way. Then you need to know God. Which brings us to our first takeaway today. It's that God is the source and the epitome of real love. He's the, he's the epitome. He's the ultimate example, the ultimate reality of love. He's, and he's the source of it. If you want to have love, you have to be tapped into the source. And the source of real, true love not your speedy pie. It's God. He is the ultimate of love. 
He is the definition of love. God is love. And so if you want to be loved and you want to be able to truly love, then you need to be connected to God. You need to find your love in Him. Because that's truly where the only place where we find and where we fully understand the third kind of love that the Greeks had a word for, and it's agape. Agape love is not conditional, which makes it really hard. It's a love that actually has nothing to do with me, but it is purely given. It looks for zero, nothing in return, which is really hard for us to comprehend, and it's even harder for us to do, to not look for something in return. I mean, think about that for a moment. If you told your sweetie, I love you, and they didn't say it back, how would you feel? What if you did that for a year? I don't know if I love you anymore. Because I sure don't feel love. See, at, at the root of it, there is the sense that it's, a, again, about me. Like, I need, I need to be loved in order to love. But God is so different. God doesn't need to be loved in order to love. That's what's mind-blowing about it and so incredibly beautiful. And it's really important that we recognize where the source of that love is so that we understand how we get it and what it looks like which is exactly what John does in the next verses. Not only does he describe love, but he defines it. Take a look, beginning at verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love on us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Did you hear that? This is love. Here, here comes the most beautiful description and definition of what love is. And how does he start out? Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's a lot in there, and I, I think it's important for us to take a few minutes and unpack that and dig into it, because when we understand it and we appreciate it, then we truly get what love is. So first of all, John says, not that we love God. God's love for you is not because you're so good. Not because you're so kind. It's not because you have this great potential to be a, a fantastic addition to his team part of his family. God's love for you is completely apart from you. It's all God. 100%. And, and we know that, right? If we stop and, and think about the reality of the matter. This is not a give and take kind of love because, let's be honest, we don't give. Not to God. Not by nature. We like to think we do. But really, we give our love away. We cheat on God all the time. 
We give our love to this and to that, to all of these things that we think will make our life so much better, that we think will make us happy, that we think will give us peace. All of these things that we chase after and love in place of God. We show him nothing but rebellion. He says, hey, I, I just want to do this, live this way. And we say, I want to do it my own way. And rebel against him. We despised him, even as he pursued us in the greatest love story ever written. And we didn't want anything to do with it. I mean, think about it. During Jesus' life, how many of those people said, oh, Jesus, you're the best? And how many of them said, Ooh, that's really hard? I don't know if I can do that. And walked away. And that was with Jesus literally standing right there in front of them. Right? That's the reality. That's who we are, too. We are just like that. We have done anything and everything that we could to push God away, to jilt Him, right? To, to alienate Him, to frustrate Him, to be undeserving of any kind of love, to make us the most unlovable thing, at least using our twisted definitions of love. And that's why this definition is real love. It's, it's true love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In spite of our rebellion, in spite of our cheating hearts, in spite of our despising Him, God loved us. God loved us and sent his son, right? And when we hear that, we, we hear two things, right? Love, because we tend to think love is this, oh, okay, I have this feeling of love, and then he did this thing. To God, those are two things, those are one. It's the same thing. That God loved us and sent his son is the exact same thing. And here's why, it's our second take then love is not just a feeling. Love is action. I mean, what if God had sat in heaven and had this warm and fuzzy feeling for you? Oh, I sure do love them. And then did nothing. That'd be pretty awful, wouldn't it? We would still be in the, living in the guilt of our sins, we'd be doomed and destined for an eternity apart from Him in hell. We would be living a, a life and an eternity never knowing love. What it means to be loved. But that's not what God did. He didn't just have this warm and fuzzy feeling and think, oh, those are I love that guy. Oh, she's so sweet. He loved us and sent his son. Because to you, for you, it was all worth it. It was completely selfless on God's part for you. I mean, think about it. Your soul was more valuable to him than his own blood. Your life with Him in heaven 
was more important than his life on earth. And so he was willing to sacrifice his blood, his life, all the things that this world could possibly offer that he could have had. He willingly gave them all up for you. To be the atoning sacrifice for you, right? To come and take you and make you, instead of at odds with God, separated, distant from Him because of your cheating heart, your rebellion, your pushing God away. He came and made you at one, atoned for you. Giving His life, dying on the cross, and rising again so that you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your sins are gone, that you are loved. He did that all so that we might live through Him, right? So that we would get to live with Him forever. And that here, even right now, you get to truly live. To live the life that He wanted for you. A life that knows what it means to be loved. See, because God wants us to know love. True love, real love, what love truly is about. And, and that's why he explains it here. He lays it out for us. He reminds us and proves it and demonstrates it beautifully, unconditionally. And he does that so that we reset what we think love is. So that we dial back from, from the ideals that the world holds up as love. And we instead reset our love to what God says it is and to what God shows us it is. And then he wants us to live it. To not just know it and not just believe it and thank him for it, but to do it. That's what the last verse of our text says. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I don't know if you caught it, but the same similar words were at the very beginning of our text, right? Dear friends, again, loved ones, beloved, let us love one another. This is this book ends these verses of, of God's gift of love, what true love really is. And now that you know what it is, let's do it. Put it into practice. Now that you have reset your love and you know what it is to be truly loved, I want you to love. Which means selflessly. And as our second takeaway said, action. Right? I mean, we know this. We just maybe aren't always great at it. Since it's Valentine's Day, let's, let's apply this first again, right? Husbands. What if that honeydew list. You just made it your business your next day off to check off as many of those things as you could without your wife reminding you or even asking. I mean, just think of, of what it would mean to her, how, how it would show her love, selfless action. If you, if you just got up early on your day off and you found that thing that you knew just was bugging her, and you took care of it. Now, if you haven't done that lately, does that mean you don't love your life? No. Right? Just to be clear. But just think of, of how powerful that is 
for your wife, for that person that you love the most, right, to show selfless action. Because we can tell those that we love that we love them all till we're blue in the face. But there's just something above and beyond, just something else when, when someone does something that is selfless. It, it's an action for us out of love. We just see it, right? We, we know it's love. It's not just words. Wives, what if that money that you've been setting aside for that new something for yourself, what if you took that and you used it on your husband instead? On, on something that he is passionate about, on something that he loves, on, on his favorite hobby, on just a night out with him doing what he enjoys. Wouldn't he feel loved? That you would give up this thing that you had been looking forward to so that you could instead show love, right? Selfless action for him. Now, again, it doesn't have to be that kind of thing, but just imagine for a moment the impact on those around you, the impact on, on your family, on those that you love the most, when you show selfless action, that kind of love. It's our, our third takeaway today. The selfless actions of real love can build stronger relationships than are otherwise possible. Right, guys, what if you just you did the things your wife asked? If you did the things that you know she wants to ask you about but is biting her tongue, and you just did them. All those little things that you, okay, but you just do them, I'll tell you what, it shows love to your wife, right? Wives, what if instead of reminding your husband about all the things he doesn't do, you thank him for all that he does for you and your family? Now, obviously, this is bigger than just Valentine's Day. It's bigger than just husbands and wives and families, right? This is, this takeaway, this truth is true for any relationship. And it's true, especially for a world that is desperately trying to find love, that wants to know love and, and can't find it because its definition of it is broken and lacking. I mean, we all have neighbors and friends and coworkers and classmates. We all have people in our lives that, that we can show love to, selfless action. So who in your life can you love? Is it that person that makes it really hard to love? That coworker that's just a pain. That classmate that's just frustrating or annoying person that's kind of almost a, a, like a thorn in your flesh, just, uh, and you get to be loving to them. Not just, okay, I'll tolerate them, but, but actually being kind, looking for ways to help, speaking up and, and praising them, giving them credit for when it's due, and, and doing it publicly, right? 
Man, that goes a long ways. Standing up for them, even if they're not around, and not so that they hopefully hear about it, and then, you know, they know that I'm in their corner or they owe me one. But just doing it because you're showing love. And love is selfless action. Maybe you caught it too when John talked about this, let us love one another. Do you know what he's actually talking about specifically? Not just families and not just the world. He's actually talking about Christians, your church family in particular. He says, let us love one another. Because there's a temptation to think that, like in a church family, that love is supposed to be all this thing. And, and when there's any kind of disagreement or any kind of, we're not on the same page on this, that that's a disconnect. It just means that there are differences. And that's why it's so important then to love that person, right? To love them past their differences. To love them beyond them. Because this is so much bigger than than whose team we root for, or what we do or don't do with our time off, or, or whether we enjoy masks or not. Right? This is so much bigger than the, than the things that cause divides and differences in our world today. Because this is about forgiveness. This is about souls. This is about eternity. This is about showing love, the love that God has for you. That's why we... Call, text, send cards, drop off dinner when someone's sick or someone's hurting or struggling, right? We do those kinds of things not because we want an attaboy or, oh, you're so nice and they really, now they really think we're good people. This is good. That's not why. It's not because I want you to owe me and have to do me a favor next time. I just want to love you. I just want to, to show selfless action for you and not look for anything in return. And the easiest way is to pray for someone. I mean, if you're not sure how I can help this person, what I can do that shows them love, pray for them. Because you get to take them and their struggle and their problem and their need, and you get to lift them up to the throne of God himself, the God of love, and he's got all that they need. He's got the perfect answer because he perfectly loves. See, in today's society, love is like this whole mixed up thing. Right? It's confused. It's misunderstood. We're not sure what love is. It's got a time stamp on it. It's got conditions on it. Love is, is really kind of screwed up. And it's not surprising then that so many people are struggling to find love. And that's why... It's so beautiful when God brings you into a relationship with Him. To know Him by faith. To know what He's done for you. How deep the Father's love is for you. That He would give His Son to pay the ransom. To bring you out of death and into life. When you know that kind of love, and not just, not just know it, genuinely appreciated and treasured, you know what it is to be completely selflessly loved. It changes you. Right? We've been talking about resetting so many things over the past couple of weeks. 
We reset our identities, we reset our expectations, we reset our actions, and now we reset what that actually looks like, why we do that, out of love, out of selfless action. So, dear friends, beloved, right, loved ones, let's love. Let's love one another, and let's love others, whether they make it easy or not. Whether they give us anything in return or not. Because love comes from God. And we, you, know what it is to be loved. You are loved. And you have this incredible joy and incredible privilege and opportunity to get to be the person who loves. Who goes out into this world to share love. Not the wishy-washy, not the as long as there's something in it for me. Selfless action. Just like God loves you. Amen. Oh,